Hey folks, this is Michael, and welcome to Tatter. Before we get started, I just want to say that unless anyone says that they are speaking on behalf of a particular organization or group, you should assume that each person's views expressed on Tatter are theirs and theirs alone. I just want to make that clear to avoid misunderstanding. And now that I have effectively precluded any such misunderstanding, let's get started. Here's Tatter. So Twitter is often a dumpster fire, but one place in the Twitterverse that is anything but that is the feed of Stephen Vladek. Vladek is the A. Dalton Cross professor in law at the University of Texas School of Law. He's also CNN's Supreme Court analyst, and I'm proud to say he has been a guest on Tatter before. And this morning, this morning being that of December 10th, 2018, I noticed that he had tweeted about a decision just announced this morning by the Supreme Court not to take up for review a particular case. And his tweet caught my eye, and I'm lucky that when I reached out by email, he said he could spare a few minutes to chat by phone, and we did. And I am delighted to share that conversation with you now in this very brief micro-episode of Tatter, titled, Not Yet. So, Steve, you were on Tatter in mid-August, so shortly before the Kavanaugh hearings were set to begin, and obviously a lot of water has gone under the bridge uh, since then, including some pretty turbulent water, Uh, but Kavanaugh is now on the court, And I wanted to talk to you about a particular decision that was just announced this morning, uh, today being Monday, December 10th. I first learned of it because you tweeted about it. Um, You noted uh, that um, in this case involving, uh, I believe it's involving Planned Parenthood in Kansas and Missouri. Am I right about that? That's right. Uh, Uh, And also one case from Louisiana. Uh, okay. Uh, and so uh, you noted that uh, the Supreme Court had decided not to uh, hear that case. And uh, for them to have reached that decision, you said uh, that meant that both Chief Justice and Justice Kavanaugh voted to deny certiorari. And you said that's a big headline. Can you talk briefly about why this like what, what was at issue in the case and why is it yeah. such a big deal? Sure. I mean, so it's interesting because this case is both about and not about abortion in some interesting ways. Um, And that's why I think it's an interesting headline that both the chief and Kavanaugh voted to deny review. What basically happened is that uh, Kansas and Missouri and to a lesser degree Louisiana had imposed limitations on uh, Medicaid providers. So basically health providers who, you know, are part of the Medicaid program who treat um, disabled or um, indigent or other sort of categories of people who can't afford their own health insurance. Um, and the states have basically said that if you are a provider um, who at least part, you know, in some of your business, you perform abortion-related services, then we're going to defund even your non-abortion-related services um, through Medicaid. Basically, that we're going to stop reimbursing you under our state Medicaid program um, if you, you know, are, a, are an abortion provider, even though we're just taking away your non-abortion-related funding. 
And so Planned Parenthood sued um, and challenged these restrictions on Medicaid funding as being inconsistent with the federal Medicaid statute itself. Um, and the actual technical question that was at issue in the lower courts was whether Planned Parenthood was even allowed to sue in the first place, whether there is a private right of action that allows them as plaintiffs to try to enforce the federal Medicaid statute against these states as defendants. Um, ultimately, the lower courts said yes, and then sided with Planned Parenthood on the merits and held that, yes, these funding denials were a violation of federal law to what the Medicaid statute. Um, and what the Supreme Court did this morning was it left intact those lower court decisions that had both allowed Planned Parenthood to bring these suits and had sided with Planned Parenthood on the merits. Um, the reason why I find that surprising um, is because both the Chief Justice and Justice Kavanaugh um, have been on record repeatedly that they are fairly skeptical of the kind of right of action that the lower courts had recognized here that allowed Planned Parenthood to sue in the first place. Um, in other words, right, that these are, you know, two justices who on the merits of the technical question presented would likely have been very sympathetic to the states um, and hostile to the lower court rulings that the states were challenging, and yet they still voted to deny review. Um, and so the reason why I think that's a big headline is because I think it signals that, you know, the Chief and Kavanaugh are at least for the moment willing to put their, you know, specific doctrinal views um, behind what they think of as, you know, the kinds of cases they think the court should be hearing that they didn't want the court granting review in this case that is, you know, all about abortion even while it's not. Um, even when they clearly would have had concerns with the decisions at issue. So that's why I thought it was such an interesting development. So I wonder if you consider it at all plausible that part of what's going on here, at least for the Chief Justice, is in the current political environment, which, at least in my judgment, but I think others agree, is quite contentious, perhaps even toxic, that for the sake of the court's legitimacy, now is not the time to take up such an issue, but later, uh, if we ever get to a point where things feel less toxic in our political culture, they might have been more willing to take up such a case. So listen, I think that's a, a perfectly reasonable and plausible explanation for the Chief Justice's vote here. Um, and indeed, it's, you know, if, that's, if that's why he did it, I, I would hardly be surprised. What I think is really noteworthy, though, is not just that the Chief did it, but that Justice Kavanaugh did as well, um, because it would have just taken one of them to join with Justices Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch, who publicly noted that they would have voted to grant certiorari. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think certainly it makes sense that the chief would take that kind of institutionalist view to the court's docket. What I read in this morning's denial of cert is that Justice Kavanaugh is doing the same. Um, and given that, you know, the other three conservatives need one of them to grant cert in cases with that kind of a partisan valence, um, that's an interesting pattern that suggests that, you know, we could see more of these, at least in the, in the short term. Not to ask you to play psychologist from a distance, but do you have any theory as to why Kavanaugh would do this? Well, I mean, I think there are two different things going on. I mean, I think first, even before 
you know, his the, the contentiousness and divisiveness that marked his confirmation hearing, some of which I think can be, you know, laid at his own feet. Um, you know, I think he was probably going to be more institutionalist anyway, that, you know, he he's the kind of judge who I think hews more closely to the Chief Justice's institutional sensibilities than to those of the other three conservatives. Um, and so I think that would have been true even before what happened, you know, with the confirmation process and the confirmation hearings. But that especially um, in light of how things went down in September and October, um, that he's, you know, perfectly willing to keep his head down at least for now, um, and to avoid where possible, and there may be cases where it's not possible, but at least where possible to avoid, you know, obvious sort of um, headline-generating votes that are going to be portrayed as, you know, the difference that Kavanaugh is making. So then final question, and this uh, one goes back to how our previous interview ended, where in thinking about the prospects of Roe v. Wade under a quarter in which Kavanaugh is, um, one, is one of the associate justices, as I recall, your sense was that neither he nor Roberts would likely be a vote to outright overturn Roe v. Wade, but that they would likely sustain state-level restrictions, and so it could be that Roe would die death by a thousand cuts. Do you see, maybe it's too soon to extrapolate, but do you see, or this is too little to extrapolate from, but does this decision in any way seem at odds to that uh, in your view? Um, I don't think so, not overtly anyway. I mean, I guess my, my gut reaction is, you know, this decision is um, in some ways, you know, maybe, at most maybe it suggests that that project will just be a little slower um, and take a little more time. You know, I think the real variable with regard to how the court um, resolves abortion cases in the next 10 years is the lower courts. Um, because, you know, here you had a case where, Planned Parenthood actually won um, in two relatively conservative appeals courts. I mean, one very conservative appeals court in the Fifth Circuit and one relatively conservative court in the the Eighth Circuit. Um, You know, I think the real question is going to be if the court gets, you know, sort of petitions from states challenging um, circuit-level decisions that have invalidated abortion restrictions, will Kavanaugh and the chief really be willing to sit idly by um, as they were here? And we just don't have any of those yet. So I think, you know, time will tell, but I'm still not convinced that we're not going to see, you know, what we worried about over the summer. So I promised you no more than 10 minutes. So I have no more questions. I just want to pause in case you, in case you want to add anything that I haven't given you a chance to say. No, I mean, I just think, you know, I, I think that today's ruling, I think, is part of a pattern we're seeing where, you know, at least so far this term, both the chief and Justice Kavanaugh are basically, you know, keeping their heads down and trying to keep the court out of the headlines. And I guess, you know, my gut reaction is that that's wise policy, but that it's not going to last. That's it for Tatter. I want to thank Stephen Vladek for taking the time to talk with me today. For more information about Vladek, go to tatter.fireside.fm and find the page for this episode where I will post a link to his webpage in addition to other links related to the episode's content. To offer feedback on this or any episode 
of Tatter, go to Twitter, despite the nasty things I said about it earlier, and post a mention. The handle for Tatter is at Tatter underscore rags. You can also go to iTunes and post a review. I'm also grateful for that feedback. And to offer tangible support for Tatter, perhaps doing the equivalent of buying me a beer once a month, go to patreon.com slash tatter and become a patron. Note that I just created a new tier of support called the Book Club, where at least once every other month, you will get access, exclusive access, to a book recommendation that I share of a book that I've just finished or am almost finished with. I just posted the first recommendation last night. Check it out. Note that if you are a student at the college where I currently teach, uh, you cannot become a patron. Uh, For ethical reasons, I cannot accept your support, but everyone else, come on in. The water's fine. With all that said, thanks for listening, and be well.